The United States and European governments frequently talk about a concept they call the international rules-based order. They're often very vague about what that means, and there's a reason. They're trying to replace international law, which is clear, cut and dry, written out, with this vague concept of rules, in which, of course, it's a rules-based order in which the U.S. makes the rules and orders everyone around. And we can see this so clearly with the way that the United States and Europe vote at the United Nations consistently, again and again, over decades, not just recently, we have seen that the West votes against the entire world. It really is a matter of the West versus the rest. If you look at UN votes consistently, we see that Africa, Asia, Latin America, they vote together and the West, the US, Europe, and then you can throw in Australia, Canada, and you can throw in Japan and South Korea, which have been militarily occupied by the US since the 40s or 50s. They vote together in what's sometimes referred to as the collective West. This is made very clear in UN votes this December, not just one, but multiple UN votes calling for a more fair global economic system, equality and equity, supporting sustainable development and biological diversity. If you look at the votes that were held consistently, it was the United States versus the rest of the world in all of the votes. And in many of the occasions, Europe joined the United States in voting against the rest of the world. This map that I have just shows a graphic representation and it also shows how the idea of the West is not a purely geographic concept. Obviously, the U.S. and Europe can be considered part of the West, but Australia is technically part of the Eastern Hemisphere, but it is firmly part of the West with a capital W, the collective West, because the West with a capital W is a political and cultural construct, not a geographic one. That's also why Japan and South Korea, which have tens of thousands of U.S. troops militarily occupying them, are also in many ways part of this so-called West. So let me talk more about these U.N. votes because they just show how the so-called international rules-based order is not in any way based on rules. It's a violation of international law, and it's an attempt by the imperialist West to create new rules that only apply to the rest of the world, not to them. These so-called rules can be used to criticize foreign countries, but never to criticize the US and Europe, who are the colonialists. Now, th these votes happened on December 14th at a meeting of the United Nations General Assembly. And at the UN General Assembly on December 14th, the countries voted on something that is called the New International Economic Order, NIEC. This is a call that goes back to 1974. In the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we saw a wave of national liberation struggles in which formerly colonized countries freed themselves from Western colonialism. And they proposed a new economic, a new international economic order to replace the colonial economic order that was created by the Western powers 
through things like the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944 with the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank, both of which are instruments of U.S. power in which the U.S. has veto power. So the formerly colonized countries in the Global South issued a call for a new international economic order. This is the original resolution from the UN General Assembly back in 1974. And it's very straightforward. It talks about the countries that achieved independence from colonialism. It talked about the problems in the current international economic order. And it says that this new international economic order should be based on sovereign equality of all states, self-determination of all peoples, inadmissibility of the acquisition of territories by force. So that's to say colonialism should not be allowed. It calls for equity, that is equality. It calls for cooperation in common interests of all countries on the basis of equality to solve economic problems that affect all countries. These are all very basic things that any country, especially a country that claims to be abiding by the international rules-based order, should support. But of course, the colonial powers in the West have consistently opposed this call for a new international economic order going back 50 years, nearly 50 years, to 1974. So this brings us to December 14th, 2022, when there was a vote on this resolution calling for a new international economic order. And like always, the Western imperial powers voted against the rest of the world. There are 193 member states recognized by the United Nations. Of them, 123, about two thirds, voted in support of the new international economic order. And I should mention that several of those countries that, that w did not vote in, on December 14th would have voted in support of it, but they haven't been able to vote because they are under illegal sanctions by the US. I'm specifically talking about countries like Venezuela and Zimbabwe. Both of these countries are under illegal unilateral sanctions by the US and Europe, and they consistently vote with the rest of the world at the United Nations, but they had their UN voting rights temporarily suspended because they've been unable to pay their membership dues because their membership dues are owed in US dollars and the illegal US sanctions block them from the US dominated financial system so they can't pay their membership fees. So this is another example of how the US rogue regime is the world's worst violator of international law. It spits in the face of the United Nations and it violates the will of the entire international community. And we can see this clearly represented in these votes. Now, 50 countries at the UN voted against the, this call for a new international economic order. And what were those countries? Surprise, surprise, the West, the so-called collective West. That means the US, Canada, Australia, Europe, Britain, Israel, apartheid Israel, uh, Ukraine, and that's in uh, Korea, South Korea, and Japan. South Korea has been militarily occupied by the U.S. since the early 1950s. Japan has been militarily occupied by the U.S. since the mid-1940s. And there was one country that abstained, which is NATO member Turkey, formerly known as Turkey. 
and Turkey constantly plays the West against the East and never takes a position in anything. It's never principled. And, and so, I mean, Turkey is one of these countries that, I mean, it does what's in, in its own political and economic interests, which, I mean, it's better than being a Western colony, but it's certainly not really in solidarity with the Global South because Turkey is basically, it can't decide if it wants to be part of the Global South or the so-called West as a member of NATO. So I just want to show the map again here to get an idea. I mean, it, when people jokingly say it's the West versus the rest, it's not really a joke. It really is true. It's the West versus the rest versus the rest. It's Western imperialism versus the rest of the world. The Chinese journalist Chen Weihua, a great follower, a great follow on Twitter, um, he put it very well when he said, it's the US and the EU against the rest of the world, basically 900 million people against more than 7 billion people from Asia, Africa to Latin America. And all you have to do is look at the map. I mean, that's not hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. That's clearly what the map shows. Now, if you look at what the resolution actually called for, you can see that this resolution is very straightforward. It is not controversial. It is not radical. Here's the draft resolution toward a new international economic order. And if you go and you read each different point, they're all very reasonable. So it says, this resolution reaffirms the need to continue working toward a new international economic order based on the principles of equity, sovereign equality, interdependence, common interest, cooperation, and solidarity among all states. That's the exact same language that was used back in the original resolution in 1974. That part hasn't changed. And again, it should be completely uncontroversial. They're calling for cooperation, equality, sovereignty, equity. I mean, who, who can oppose these policies? Four, it reiterates that states are strongly urged to refrain from promulgating and applying any unilateral economic, financial, or trade measures not in accordance with international law and the Charter of the United Nations that impede the full achievement of economic and social development, particularly in developing countries. So what, that, what this means is it opposes sanctions because sanctions are illegal. Unilateral sanctions violate the UN Charter. The US has imposed illegal unilateral sanctions on countries representing more than one quarter of the global population, including Iran, Russia, Venezuela, China, Cuba, Nicaragua, Zimbabwe, Eritrea, the DPRK. There are so many countries that have been sanctioned illegally, unilaterally by the US. And this resolution says very clearly that the countries around the world are opposing these illegal unilateral sanctions. And, and defending international law, which is again why the US wants to replace international law with its so-called rules-based order in which it makes the rules and orders everyone around. It calls for this, uh, this plan for a new international economic order, calls for coordination of macroeconomic policies among countries to avoid negative spillover effects, especially in developing countries. Of course, to US, the, to the, the neoliberal right-wing economists who make economic policy in the US, this is anathema. You cannot have economic collaboration with other countries because everything is a zero-sum game 
based on capitalist profits. One country has to win, another country has to lose. You can't have mutually beneficial relations. It, it's zero sum. One country extracts the wealth and capital and exploits the labor of another country. The resolution also calls for increasing the uh, broadening and strengthening the voice and participation of developing countries, including African countries, the least developed countries, landlocked developing countries. So providing policies to support economic development in formerly colonized and poor countries. It reaffirms the necessity to respect territorial integrity and national sovereignty and political independence of states that should be uncontroversial. Again, everything in this is uncontroversial and it's all based on international law. It calls for st states to strengthen cooperation, to combat illegal financial flows. I mean, again, it calls for international trade based on mutually beneficial on, ironically, they even say rules-based, non-discriminatory, non equitable multilateral trading system. Of course, the U.S. opposes that because it sees, again, this zero-sum game in which one, the capitalist empire extracts wealth from everyone else. It expresses concern, and then here's another very important part of this resolution. It expresses concern over the increasing debt vulnerabilities of developing countries, the net negative capital flows from developing countries, the fluctuation of exchange rates, and the tightening of global financial conditions. And in this regard, stresses the need to explore the means and instruments needed to achieve debt sustainability and the measures necessary to reduce the indebtedness of developing countries. So calling for reducing debt in the global south providing debt relief for the global south again all very basic demands also it calls for providing more technology transfers to developing countries but again that's anathema because to the us this is this is socialism you can't help any country around the world you can't help them develop you have to extract wealth from them you don't want to give them technology to help them develop their own economies you want them to, you want to make them economically dependent on U.S. corporations. You want to make the entire world slaves to your corporations so you can extract wealth from them, steal their natural resources, and exploit their labor. It's about creating economic dependency. That's the goal of capitalism, and especially this parasitic neoliberal era of capitalism that the U.S. empire is the leader of. So that that was the, the so controversial resolution that the U.S. and the European countries and apartheid Israel and Australia and Japan and South Korea all voted against, whereas three, excuse me, two thirds of the entire planet voted in support. And those are two thirds of the numbers of countries. If you actually look at the population of those countries that supported, that voted in support of the resolution, we're talking about over four fifths of the global population. We're talking about the vast majority of the global population, including China and India, which alone, China, India, and Pakistan, between the three of them, they have 3 billion people. They voted for that, whereas the less than 1 billion people in the so-called West voted against this resolution, which should be very commonsensical. Now, it was not the only resolution on December 14th that the West voted against, showing itself to be controlled by a bunch of rogue states. 
If you also look at res other resolutions that were passed at the UN General Assembly on December 14th, the voting pattern was basically exactly the same. Here is another vote that happened. And this vote was for in support of international trade and development. And we see basically the same voting pattern. This In this resolution, basically it reiterated some of the, the main points of the call for a new international economic order, specifically calling for the end of sanctions. So that, that's what this resolution was about, international trade and development, how illegal unilateral sanctions hinder international trade and development. And we see basically the exact same vote. 122 countries in support, 48 against, and one abstention, NATO member, Turkey. And there was another vote, which was, once again, basically uh, very similar and uncontroversial. And in this one, the European countries all abstained. There were two countries that voted against this resolution, which was called role of the United Nations in promoting development in the context of globalization and interdependence. This resolution, in this resolution, quote, the assembly noted with concern that the mobilization of sufficient financing remains a major challenge in the implementation of the 2030 agenda and that progress has not been shared evenly within and among countries leading to further deepening of existing inequalities. And there were 130 countries that voted in support of this. There were 45 abstentions, mostly the mostly Europe. And there were two rogue states that voted against the entire world. What were those rogue regimes? The United States and apartheid Israel. So once again, we see this pattern continuing where the U.S. and, the, and Israel vote against the entire world. In this case, including their own so-called allies in Europe. Now, there was, a, there was another resolution which is just as uncontroversial as possible. And this resolution was even more shocking in, it, in, in how it shows blatantly how the U.S. and apartheid Israel are rogue regimes. This resolution called for the implementation of the Convention on Biological Diversity, and it reaffirmed its contribution to sustainable development. This is a basic call for defending biological diversity, fighting climate change, preserving the environment, and encouraging sustainable development. And there were 166 countries that voted in support of the resolution, including the European countries voted in support of this. So we're talking about the vast, vast majority of the, of the world. Over 90% of the global population, 95% of the global population, and there were three countries that voted against this resolution. Once again, the United States, apartheid Israel, and this time Japan, which is also militarily occupied by the U.S., which had a genocidal empire that committed genocide across Asia. Across Asia. So, by the way, this Convention on Biological Diversity, it has been ratified by every single U.N. member state except for one. Can you guess? Can you guess that single country, the only country on earth that refuses to ratify the Convention on Biological Diversity, you guessed it, the United States of America. Number one, this is the real American exceptional, exceptionalism, which is being exceptionalist in opposing the rest of the world, in opposing international law, in being a rogue regime, 
That's the real American exceptionalism. And when the U.S. talks about its so-called rules-based international order, this is what it means. It means the U.S. controls the world. It orders everyone around. It makes the rules. It is a global dictatorship led by Washington and really by Wall Street, led by the corporations on Wall Street that sell their stocks on Wall Street. And finally, there was a very similar uncontroversial vote. And this was not about economic policy or the environment. This was about Palestinian political and civil rights. Do the Palestinian people deserve basic civil rights and basic political rights? Well, according to the U.S. and its proxies and allies, no. The Palestinian people do not deserve basic rights, according to them. This resolution that noted the permanent sovereignty of the Palestinian people in the occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem, and it also stressed the permanent sovereignty of the Arab population in the occupied Syrian Golan over their natural resources. The Golan Heights in Syria have been illegally occupied by the Israeli colonial regime since 1967 in blatant violation of international law. 159 countries voted in support of this resolution, including most of Europe as well. There were only 10 countries that abstained, including Australia, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire, Guatemala, Papua New Guinea, Rwanda, Solomon Islands, South Sudan, Togo, and Tuvalu. And there were eight countries that voted against recognizing the basic civil rights and political rights that Palestinians deserve. And what were those eight countries? The US, apartheid Israel, Canada, and Chad, interestingly. We see that, that right-wing governments in Africa have increasingly become allies of apartheid Israel. And there were also four other tiny uh, Pacific island nations that are basically, unfortunately, U.S. colonies, including the Marshall Islands, Micronesia, and Palau, which all were U.S. colonies until a few decades ago. And now they all have signed so-called free association agreements with the United States, which basically means that they're still colonies, although they claim to have free association. It's not so free when you're a small Pacific Island nation with like 10,000 people. These countries also use the U.S. dollar as their official currency. So unfortunately, they're basically U.S. colonies. And they consistently vote with the United States at the U.N. because Washington bribes them and blackmails and threatens them to vote along with the U.S. And then also the Pacific Island nation of Nauru, which uses the Australian dollar and which was basically a colony of the United Nations until a few decades ago and now is basically kind of an Australian colony, unfortunately. So those four Pacific Island nations voted with the U.S. apartheid Israel, Ch Canada and Chad to deny the Palestinian people their basic political and civil rights in the territory that belongs to them, but is illegally occupied by the colonial Israeli regime. And finally, there was another resolution that was voted on on December 14th at this UN General Assembly meeting. And this one lightly criticized apartheid Israel for illegally bombing Lebanon's power station Jiya in 2006. This is a, a war crime in which apartheid Israel intentionally destroyed oil storage, oil storage um, infrastructure in Lebanon, and that caused a massive oil spill. And still today, there are environmental problems caused by this Israeli war crime. And the 
UN noted that this Israeli war crime cost Lebanon at least $856 million. That's not to mention the extreme damage that it did to the environment by causing a huge oil spill. So this UN General Assembly resolution, I'll read the language. It is very mild. It expresses its deep concern about the adverse implications of the destruction by the Israeli Air Force of the oil storage tanks in the direct vicinity of the Lebanese Gia electric power plant for the achievement of sustainable development in Lebanon. And 160 member, member states of the United Nations voted for this resolution condemning the Israeli war crime. And in this case, it was most of Europe joined. And there were only eight countries that voted against this resolution. And once again, we see it's the U.S. Anglo Empire, the U.S. Apartheid Israel, Canada, and Australia, not even the UK, even Britain voted in support of this. And then you have, once again, the, the basic US colonies, unfortunately, in the Pacific Island nations of Marshall Islands, Micronesia, Nauru, and Palau. So I noted in my article that I wrote about this in multipolarista.com, and I'll link to that in the description below. I know that this is, this is not new in any way. Constantly at the UN, we see these kinds of criminal votes by the U.S. rogue regime, including recently, in November, the entire world voted to condemn the illegal U.S. blockade on Cuba that has gone on for 60 years now, and it was 185 nations, and who voted to support the illegal criminal blockade of Cuba? The U.S. itself and apartheid Israel, the world's leading rogue, rogue states. They are the definition of rogue regimes, and there was a very similar vote also back in October, in which 152 UN member states voted telling Israel to get rid of its illegal nuclear weapons. And in this case, there were five countries that voted to support the apartheid Israeli regime in its control of nuclear weapons in violation of international law. And what were those five countries? The United States, apartheid Israel itself, Canada, the U.S. junior partner in imperial crimes, the little brother of the U.S. empire, Canada, Palau and Micronesia, once again. So we see that, and in this case, uh, the Marshall Islands didn't vote. So, I mean, we see that the U.S. is the definition of a rogue state. Any consistent definition of rogue state would have the U.S. as the leading example. All you have to do is look at most votes in the United Nations General Assembly. And you can see that the United Nations and its Western allies, but largely just Washington, votes against the entire world, especially against the global South. It really is the West versus the rest. It's pretty simple. All you have to do is look at the United Nations votes. And anyone who ignores these UN votes and pretends that the so-called international rules-based order exists is lying to you. They either have drunk the Kool-Aid, they believe the propaganda, or they're simply lying to you. This is how international law is actually created at the United Nations. That's why the U.S. empire is trying to replace international law based at the, with its center at the U.N. because the U.S. can't control that because it's too democratic, even despite the many problems. There are a lot of the problems with the United Nations, especially with the UN Security Council, 
which is deeply unequal, which is deeply unrepresentative, which has way too much Western power and representation. It's very unbalanced. But despite all those problems, the U.S. still hates the United Nations because it can't control it. That's why the U.S. empire is trying to create a so-called rules-based international order in which it makes the rules and orders everyone around. I'm Ben Norton. If you want to support the work that I do here, you can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista. And any support you can provide goes a long way. I don't have any big sponsors. It's completely, this reporting I do is completely supported by listeners and viewers. So I want to thank everyone and I'll see you all next time.